Then personally, when I think of Dallas, I think of an individual who understood his weaknesses, yet he was used by God to touch lives in the short years that he was with us. He was a lover of people because of his love that he had for God. Well, someone in the community here shared with me these words. I didn't even know Dallas, but I'm still grieving. Is this all right to do? Is this normal? Well, this is my response to you that are asking that question. The Bible comes and shares that we are part of the body. And when one part hurts, the whole body hurts. And I want you to know it's all right for us to be grieving. As our community continues then to deal with the tragic loss of our friend Dallas, Scott Ernie, Director of Clinical Counseling, located in his student center, he wants you to know that the clinical counseling services, that they are available for any student who may need support. They're located in room 220. I also want you to know that there are others here on this campus who are available for you to talk to as well as to pray with. Individuals like RDs, ARDs, RAs, student chaplains, faculty, other staff members, coaches. I mean, there are people that you can locate that are very willing to come talk to you and pray with you. And then I want you to also know that to help to offset some of the financial needs for the funeral for the family, that chaplain and outreach coordinators are going to be going throughout the different dorms and asking for you to generously donate to this cause. And then I also want you to know that on this coming Monday night, on January 9, at 7 p.m., a memorial service remembering Dallas is going to be taking place in a Noggle building in a youth lab. And the reason we wanted it there was because that's where he spent most of his time when he was here on campus in classes. And so we'd love to invite you to come be a part of that. When I was with the family on Sunday after hearing the news, I rushed after church and went and felt as if I needed to be with the family just to be, you know, be there and to pray with them. And during that time, I was talking to one of the aunts, and the aunt came along after my prayer and said, thank you for the prayers. And she shared with me, she said, would you continue to remind the people at the university to lift us up in prayer? And so because of that, can I ask you to do me a favor? I'm going to ask that you all stand up, and if you wouldn't mind doing this, is that breaking up into just maybe groups, small groups for a few moments, and would you come along in your small group, will you lift up a prayer on behalf of those that are family members, that are friends of Dallas, that are grieving during this time? Can I ask that you will also pray that the funeral service that's going to be taking place at the Central Christian Church on Friday at 2 p.m., that that will truly be a service that will be glorifying to God, but also very honoring to Dallas. So will you do me a favor? Will you stand up, get into small groups, and then I will close our time out with a small prayer. Dr. Constance Cherry sent me this prayer that comes from the common, the Book of Common Prayer. Will you join me as I pray these words, please? Depart, O Christian soul, out of this world. In the name of God the Father Almighty who created you. In the name of Jesus Christ who redeemed you. In the name of the Holy Spirit who sanctifies you. May your rest be this day in peace and your dwelling place in the paradise of God. And all God's people said, Amen. Good morning. Today's chapel is going to take a little bit of a different tone than usual. The focus today is going to be on the fight against human trafficking. Uh, Dulos has been doing an amazing job in that fight for years here at IWU. 
And today, the women's basketball team, IWU Athletics, is partnering with Destiny Rescue in joining that fight against human trafficking. You notice the, the clock in front of me here. You'll also notice throughout chapel that there will be members of our IWU Athletic teams coming onto this stage and standing in the back. That's a visual for you. Every 26 seconds, a new child is taken into custody into human trafficking. So these athletes that are coming onto stage today will represent those children that are being taken into human trafficking as we sit here today in worship. So at the end of chapel, we'll have a very clear visual of the number of young lives that have been impacted by this evil that goes on in our world today. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for worshiping with us today. And we ask and we pray that as we go through this chapel today, the Lord will prompt your heart to take a stand against human trafficking with us. Um, I challenge you guys to hear this scripture as I read it to you now. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. In James, the scripture says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. I challenge you to hear um, Tori Kraft's vision of how um, IWU Athletics wants to take an act against this stand. Freedom. It is a noun that is defined as the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. Freedom is the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. I asked a child, a one who was a mere nine years old, what it meant to her to truly be free. She told me that to her, freedom meant that she can eat as many pieces of pizza at dinner as she possibly can. Freedom meant that she could change the outfit on her doll as many times throughout the day as she wanted, and even her mom couldn't tell her to stop. Freedom. To me, freedom means choice, it means humility, and it means gratefulness. To me, freedom is always worth fighting for, because when I picture th freedom, I see myself standing at the foot of the cross, because on the cross hung a king who was free to come down. He had the freedom to choose too, and he could have chosen a different path, but he didn't. He could have chosen his own freedom, but instead he chose my freedom, he chose your freedom, and contrary to their knowledge, he chose freedom for millions of little boys and girls in our world who aren't free to help themselves. Galatians 5, 13 through 14 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
So think about it for a second. What does freedom mean to you? In this life, we fight. Sometimes, though, the battles of this life seem to be too much, and we have to cling to a single reason to continue to fight. This summer, when I was at the absolute lowest point in my life, that proved to be these guys, my teammates. If you've ever been around our team, seen a game, or heard us in the mallway long before you could see us, you've been exposed to some of the qualities that our team carries with us everywhere we go. Loud, slightly obnoxious, full of bad jokes, and always laughing, especially at the most inopportune times. But it was the deep qualities, the things that most people don't always get to see, that bounced off the four walls of my hospital room this summer that made me overwhelmingly grateful for these women. These qualities really opened my heart to what the Lord was doing in me and what he would be doing in us. I thought of the difficult times our team had been through together and how in these times I saw selflessness, patience, gentleness, kindness, genuineness, and above all, a love for God that surpasses all else in every one of these women. So on this team, we fight. Occasionally, it's with one another, but really, we fight for one another. We fight the battles of life with each other. We understand that on this team, we're only as strong as our weakest member, and if we are strong in the love of Christ and the support of one another, how are we ever weak? This summer, I fought. For a while, I had to fight every day for my life, but as I got healthy, I couldn't be humbled by the work that God was doing inside of me. Overwhelmed with a newfound sense of compassion, my heart broke for those in the world who suffered from injustice and could not fight back to help themselves. And even deeper than this, I found myself hurting for those who didn't know how long or high or deep or wide the love of Christ really is. I realized that I took my teammates for granted every day, and I wanted to band together with them to help someone else to do something greater, and I really felt like we were being called to do just that. I felt close to God on a whole new level, but even so, I was much more comfortable talking about helping people and how broken I was for them than I was actually helping them. On a random summer morning, I couldn't fight the urge to help any longer. As I drove the dirt roads of Harbor Beach, Michigan, I turned up the one country station that comes in a little louder in my car, secretly hoping Brooke wouldn't answer her phone. You see, it would be much easier to talk about helping people than it would be to step up and fight a battle that seemed solely uphill. Much to my dismay, though, she answered, and the rest is history, literally. I expressed the vision that the Lord had imprinted on my heart for our team. I was finally excited about it, and so was she. But what did she say? Let's pray about it and see how the Lord would have us move. Really? Prayer? I can't lie, I was a bit frustrated by her answer, but nonetheless, I agreed to be fervent in prayer for our cause. So was I, so was she, and so were all of these women on stage. And without a doubt, God has answered far above and beyond anything we could ever have brought to him in prayer. A few short weeks later, on our team retreat to the warm and sunny Fort Wayne, Indiana, we spent a morning volunteering our time to work with Destiny Rescue. As we laughed, joked, and tagged jewelry under the mighty hand of project manager Jessica Stewart, our hearts weighed heavy with the stories about the conditions that the victims of this, this industry live in. They fought for their lives, but what did they truly have that was worth fighting for? They had nothing that we had, yet they fought with a different kind of passion and purpose. They had to. We couldn't even begin to understand, but we felt called to help. We agreed to continue to pray about God would have us do, and we decided to like, take a leap of faith at the beginning of the school year when our team agreed to partner with Destiny Rescue. It started in September with a simple meeting in our locker room with representatives from Destiny Rescue. We learned more of the nitty-gritty details about what their organization does and how we could help. Our team ad agreed to adopt a six-year-old girl. 
contributing money each month to help her return to life, as normal as life could be following her rescue, but we wanted to do more. We then planned another event and invited all of the women's athletic teams on campus to meet and we hear what we had heard that first night. Like our has, ours had been, their hearts were stirred, but it still wasn't enough. We weren't entirely sure as a team that we wanted to give more and be stretched more, but we knew that the Lord wanted more. We were taken far out of our comfort zone, but we were gone too far and we were in too deep. Our hearts had been touched. There was no more burying our heads in the sand. We could simply not turn back. So here we are. Our team wants to fight with you. We want to fight today. We want to fight tonight at our game, and we want to fight together with you every day after that. We don't know what the future holds for it, but we know it's a scary fight to participate in. It tugs at your heart and stretches you in ways that you're not comfortable with. It's not pretty, but it's real. And if we're not willing to stand up and fight, then who will? If we don't do it now, then when will it get done? Help us fight for those who have no way to fight for themselves. They deserve freedom as much as we deserve freedom because blood was shed for them just like it was shed for us. If we don't take a stand for, against these injustices, though, they will never know it. We aren't asking for hundreds of dollars, but we want your voice. We want your prayers. We want to stand next to you to fight for these innocent children. If it seems too big or too intimidating, it might be. But if God is for us, who can stand against us? In August of 2012, my family and I were in front of a table like the one in the student center today, and there were these pictures of these beautiful little girls who had been rescued from the sex trade. And all around these kids was handmade jewelry. I remember going home that day thinking, what a beautiful idea to rescue these kids and then teach them a skill so that they can you know, stand on their own. And I went, went on to discover that Destiny Rescue was very good at this. And I also discovered that there were millions of kids that were being trafficked. And then I went back to my comfort zone and I remember doing nothing. And I look back at that and I, and I, and I marvel at how faithful God is. He, he is determined that you and I would take hold of the life that is truly life. And he says the way that we do that is we just share whatever he's given us, time, talent, or treasure, even if it's a little, we share what he's given us with somebody that we can cheerfully share it with. That's taken hold of that life. <laughs> to make a long story really short, God started breaking my heart in a way that I have never experienced before. And I ended up sending a letter off to Destiny Rescue and I said, I can't live with this, will you please put me to work? And I'm not so proud of this part of the story, but it took me months to send that letter from the time I felt like I needed to to the time I did it because I was afraid that God was gonna make me get up and speak in front of people, <laughs> maybe even small groups of people. And, uh, Hebrews 13.3 says that we, are, we should continue to remember those who are suffering as if it was you yourself suffering. Continue to remember those who are abused as if, as if it was you in their place. And I'm convinced, you know, it's not, it's not the millions of kids 
When we think about the abuse of the millions that moves us, it's when we think about the one and, and the, the brutal reality for one, that's when God moves us out of that comfort zone and, and even can make us a cheerful giver, like you want to do more than you can do when you, when you imagine the brutal reality for some of these kids. And I'm convinced he can even help you and I with our fears because I, I still have that fear. I didn't sleep last night. And in the end, I don't know what you worry about. And I don't know what keeps you from doing something or doing more. But what does it matter what you're afraid of? When you, when you think of a little girl, you see her? And she's behind a locked hotel room door with a guy that she doesn't know. And the reason she's there is because she's a beautiful kid. And he's got a little bit of money, and she's got nothing. Most of the kids we rescue, they don't even have their parents. They're not in their court, and they're not coming to get them. On my, on my first trip to Thailand and Burma, um, I was in a brothel getting a foot massage. And... Our rescue workers, they never go into these places, by the way, and by themselves, always in teams of two or more for safety and accountability reasons. But I was in this brothel, and I'll never forget, Mama-san went out the front door. Mama-san is the pimp. She runs this, this place. And she went out the front door, and she came in with this older gentleman, and he had long gray and white hair, very white hair. And she brought him in, and she sat him down right in front of me, just over the left shoulder of Pum, who was massaging my feet. And I know God did that on purpose so that I could see what was going to unfold. From my left, behind the curtain, came a beautiful young Thai girl. And she sat down next to this guy, and you could tell they weren't old buddies. They were just meeting for the first time. And within a minute or so, she had snuggled up to this guy, and she even had her hand on his thigh. And what shocked me wasn't that she was available for him, uh, the sad reality for the, the girls, you can flip the slide too, by the way. The, the sad reality for the girls that we rescue is they can be rented for very little money. And they're typically serving several different men every single day. And what shocked me wasn't that she was young either. About half the kids that we rescue are 16 and under. The youngest has been five years old. What shocked me was how unhealthy this guy was. He was very pale and very thin, and I wish I were exaggerating, but he looked like he'd be better off at a doctor's office than a massage parlor. And I thought to myself, if she's, if she's that desperate and she's that broken, it apparently doesn't matter who's coming through that door. Our rescue workers, they go into these kind of places and they look for these young kids and when they snuggle up next to them and try and rub their thigh, he reaches down and he grabs their hand and he holds it like a loving father would. And he's beginning this process of trying to convince her that for some mysterious reason he's different, that for some mysterious reason some of the good guys, they actually go to these kind of places. And over the course of several visits, he's trying to win her trust and her confidence and she's been betrayed by everybody at this point. So... It takes several visits and as long as necessary, but when they have her confidence and her trust, he will pay Mama-san the bar fine. It's the fee that you pay to own her for a little while, and he'll take her off-site, because that's how it works, 
and he will offer her a chance to be free along with our team. And it's a beautiful thing when they say yes. You can flip that. It's not enough just to get these kids out. And uh, they, they are typically very broken to get them, typically pretty traumatized kids. And so we have this, you and I have this beautiful opportunity. If you want to flip that slide. We have this beautiful opportunity to bring these kids into a safe home and give them a safe bed and a teddy bear. And our team gets to just start loving these kids. And for six months, we call it the restoration phase. That's pretty much the goal, is just to love these kids in very practical and unconditional ways. And I love, I love Romans chapter two because I think this is what happens. God says in Romans chapter two that it's his kindness that causes you and I to turn to him. And it's the same for these kids. I was here a little over a week ago and there was this vision painted of Indiana Wesleyan uh, as a place, you know, to imagine this was a place that even a non-Christian would want to be. And I walked away thinking, what a beautiful vision. And that's what we try and do in these rescue homes. And so while we're loving these kids in these just practical ways, we get to tell them what God's done for us and what he'd like to do for them. And many of them have ears to hear, and they call out on his name, and he gives them that new heart, and it literally shows up on their face. And they smile again, and they laugh, and they sing, and it's one of the great blessings in my life to witness it. You can flip that one. It's, it's not enough just to get them smiling. We have a Destiny Rescue salon, and we have Destiny Rescue cafes, and we have sewing, and we have jewelry making and screen printing, and all these places where they can learn a safe, jo- a safe skill in a safe place. And um, I had the beautiful opportunity on my last trip over to work with about 12 of the girls in our jewelry production house in one of those homes. And I, what I want to do this morning is introduce you to these kids. Um, everybody on this stage represents a real person with a, with a real name and a story. So this is Mew. And, and Mew has, my hands are cold, right? Mew has a booming smile. I, I don't know how else to describe it. And she is the most enthusiastic person I've ever worked with in my life. It was, the, it was just a blessing to work with Mew. And this is Nadi Da. Nadi Da is very small. They're all small, but Nadi Da is incredibly small, and she sits in this hard plastic chair making jewelry, and her feet dangle above the floor about three or four inches because she can't even touch the floor. And the blood gets cut off in her legs, and her legs end up hurting, but she is absolutely content to be in that chair making jewelry. Where am I at? This is May. Um, May was new to the rescue home. And she is a very broken kid. And not a day would go by that May wouldn't have a flashback. And she would break down crying. And our team would rally around her and try and get her back together. And she would come back. And she had these highs as well. She, would, she had this gift for making the girls laugh. At one point I recorded it because they were just giggling. And she could make them laugh. And uh, they probably were laughing at me, you know, but... I got two hugs at the end of, this, end of this event from these girls. And you have to understand, I look like one of the guys that's been abusing these kids. It's not acceptable for me to initiate a hug. 
but one of them was May, and she came up from my left. And she gave me this great big bear hug. And she says, thank you, Mr. Coke. My, my name is not Mr. Kirk in Thailand. It's Mr. Coke. They can't say my name to save their lives. And it's a good deal because I can't say theirs either. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's why they use these simple nicknames like May. Um, this is Mod Sam. Is that where I left off? I lost my place. One morning I asked, I said, would one of you open us in prayer? And Mad Sam sort of fearfully, you know, took that role. And she prayed this beautiful prayer. And I couldn't understand a word of it. But I know the spirit of that prayer. I know him. And it was a beautiful prayer. This is Nam. Nam was very pregnant. And a few weeks after I left... She had a baby boy, and she named him Joseph. And I thought, what a beautiful, beautiful choice. And then B, B went off to get married while I was there, and it was a beautiful milestone. You can flip that slide. You and I can rescue these kids for $1,500. And people gang up on that idea and they do it in a lot of different ways. There's garage sales and there's coffee and canvas events and there's race to rescues and there's dessert and destiny rescue nights and all. There was a fashion show recently, way to go, Emma. Um, you, you got, God asks us to do what we can with what, what he's given us. And you can do it in a lot of different ways. We've had a guy shave his beard, Duck Dynasty beard, and they rescued two kids just for fun. The beard was for fun, but... And I know there's a game tonight. I, I, I pray that you would think about attending that game. Just by being at the game, you're going to make a difference and change the destiny of one of those kids. So I would encourage you to think about making the game tonight. Uh, you can take a team trip. Um, you can see the work that we do firsthand. And when you meet these kids, it'll change your life forever. That's a great way to, to kind of see it if you want to remember you know, they're suffering. You can meet them firsthand. Um, you, you can also be a voice on this next slide. You can be a voice for these kids. And I wouldn't underestimate that. People do it all the time. They say, well, all I can do is talk. And I just wouldn't underestimate that. I was at a church last week. It was the third time I've been there in a year. They've rescued a number of kids, and they're sponsoring a number of kids. And it all happened because one girl named Lisa went back and said, hey, have you heard about what's happening to these kids? And so don't underestimate your voice. This group has a lot of influence, and I would encourage you to um, bring it to your church or wherever you might. That would be a, a powerful way to make a difference for these kids. Um, you can also sponsor a child. For us, it's $35 a month, and I'll just close here briefly with one one story here. I had the opportunity to meet this little girl. Um, her name is Napi, and she's 17 years old. And we were at lunch, uh, just small talking about how she likes to play soccer, and she's got six brothers and sisters, and um, she loves to cook and all that. And, and we were just small talking until I laid a picture of my family in front of her. And I was introducing her to my wife and my son and my daughter. And she got real quiet. 
And then she says, I have something I'd like to say. And so we got quiet. I was with Luke, the country manager, and uh, David, the, the house manager, just the four of us. And, and she's looking at me when she says this. She says, I want to thank you and your family for sponsoring me. You've made it possible for me to live in a safe home. And you've made it possible for me to take sewing classes. And she just loves sewing. And then this was the one that got me. She says, and you have made it possible that, that I can have a new father in heaven. And he's helping me heal. And at that point, the tears are running down my cheeks. And I know that caught her by surprise. And I reached over in my bag and I got a couple gifts and I laid them in front of her. These are embarrassingly small gifts. But she looks at these gifts and then she looks at Luke and she looks at the gifts and she looks at David and she looks at the gifts and she looks at me and then she does it again. And she's on the third or fourth round of this and we don't understand what she's doing. And so Luke interrupts this and he says, Napi, I'd love to see what's in that little bag if you want to open it. And so she pulls out this simple cross necklace, just simple. And then I had written a four-sentence note on the, on the first page of that journal that might have cost 50 cents. And it was a simple note. I don't really remember what it said, but it was, you know, we're praying for her or whatever. Very simple. And David is reading this note to Napi, and she just starts weeping. And she's almost shaking. And I'm, I'm the one guy at the table that knows the letter's not that good. And it goes on for a minute or so, and, and then she gets herself together, and she looks up at us, and she says, I'm sorry. My, my dad has never given me a gift before. That's the opportunity that you and I have to defend these kids who have nothing. I want to thank you for hearing our story and, and uh, let the girls thank you as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Hannah McClure, and I am on leadership with Dulos. And Dulos is a student-run organization, as uh, many of you maybe know about it. And um, I just wanted to give you guys an opportunity to hear about how you guys can be involved here on campus. Um, Destiny Rescue does stuff in Thailand and Cambodia and all over the world, but um, I know that it's not always a reality for us to go to Thailand and Cambodia. Um, and so Dulos has done different events, like shown videos, um, like Nefarious and Blood Brother, and done different um, donations to help different causes. And um, we have events coming up to go travel to maybe Indianapolis and help another organization, kind of like what Destiny Rescue does um, for girls who are in Indianapolis who are being trafficked. And um, I would just really encourage you guys to look um, 
just for those opportunities and to really think about giving also for this cause for Destiny Rescue. Um, we have an opportunity to financially fund a girl to be completely rescued. Um, those faces of those girls that just thanked us, that's, those are real individuals. Those are real girls who are fighting to renew their hearts and renew their lives. And that requires us to really come together as a body and to really make a difference. Um, I wanted to share a little bit about kind of my story and how I've become involved with um, just fighting against this injustice. And Dulos has done a huge um, impact, I guess, on my life and my heart and really encouraged me to actually take one of those team trips. And so last summer I took a team trip to Thailand and Cambodia with Destiny Rescue. And um, this uh, picture is of Nana Plaza. And Nana Plaza is one of the biggest um, hubs for sex trafficking in the world. And um, just walking around that place and seeing these girls, there are hundreds and hundreds of girls. It almost looks like a big strip mall with a ton of lights. And they're just walking around. And they're walking around in very little clothing, just asking people to come in. And I remember the biggest impact that um, walking through there had on me. And it was the fact that all these girls had numbers on them. They had numbers pinned um, to, to them, and they didn't have a name. And how it works is the guys just request one of the numbers. Um, so if one of these girls had a number on them, he, um, a man would just come up and say, I want number 12, or I want number 26. And then they would go with that man. And the fact that these girls are belittled to a number is so heart-wrenching and so heartbreaking. And that is what really challenged me to really go to the Lord. Um, you can go to the next slide. And um, really pray for these, for these girls. I know that this is a heavy issue and a heavy topic. Um, but the Lord has already won. He already has victory. And he already is moving and working in Thailand and Cambodia and through you. Um, and you have an opportunity to respond and to be courageous for these girls who don't have a voice. Um, and I want to read from Joshua 1, and it talks about um, being strong and courageous. And I know that we hear these words a lot, but thinking of it in this context of being strong and courageous to fight for these girls who don't have a voice, who don't have an opportunity to dream big dreams like how we want to to go on after school and get jobs and, and do all these great things, um, but they need us to be strong and courageous for them. And in verse 13, it says that the Lord, our God, has given us rest and has granted us this land. Wherever you send us, we will go. And that to me was so challenging because to conquer that fear that I had to go to Thailand and Cambodia totally alone not knowing any of my friends, my family going, I was going alone. And yes, I was fearful, but the Lord totally is moving and working, and he's moving and working in you guys. And you guys have an opportunity to be a voice for the voiceless, and it starts with, with you. It's not your neighbor, it's not the person sitting next to you, it's you. And you have an opportunity to respond, um, 
and help support these girls as, um, as you see all the people on stage right now that are representing these girls who need us to fight for them. Um, this, isn't, this, this isn't about saving a ton of people. It's about saving that one girl. And it's, it's so much more important to save that one girl and show her the love of Christ and to renew her life so that she can become an incredible leader um, and to just blossom and to know that the Lord sees her as a loved one and he sees each and every one of us as loved. And um, so I just encourage you to truly think about that and then to come tonight to the girls game and uh, support Destiny Rescue in coming out to the game at 7. As the different athletes are beginning to come on up here on the stage, I almost sensed the Lord saying to me, I want you to pause for a few moments. And so I began asking the Lord, why do you want me to pause? And he said, I don't want you, I want you to pause because I don't want you just seeing individuals up here that you know, but I want you to see who they represent. That's where Kirk and Hannah were moving us to. Let me just share what came to my mind as I began pausing and reflecting. When I came along and saw these athletes, it was a reminder to me that years ago, when I first began ministering in Cambodia, at 2 o'clock at night, I heard a knock on a door where I was staying in a hotel, and opened up the door, and as I opened up the door, there was a soldier there holding a rifle in his hand, and he asked a simple question, how many do you want, in broken English. I had no idea what he was talking about. I didn't want any bullets, so I knew that wasn't what he was asking. And then he went on a little bit further, and he used his eyes to motion and for me to see what was behind him. And there behind him, there was a slew of young kids, probably between the ages of 10 and 13. And the question he was asking me was, how many did I want? And then he came along and stated that basically for 75 cents, up to $2, I could have as many as I wanted for all night long. So what do I see when I come along and see these individuals up here? I see that little, those little kids that are back there. What broke my heart as I also began thinking about it is as I began doing some investigating about why were some of these kids in prostitution in Cambodia where I was ministering, they were in it because their parents had sold them to these men. And the reason they had to sell their children is because at that time when I was working in Cambodia, there was only the income for a family, for some of the families, was only for the whole year around $200. And so in order to put food on the table, they were willing to sell their children so that the other children would have food to be able to eat. And so when you look at these that are up here, don't see them as just being your fellow students, but seeing them as individuals who are hurting. So the vision for dealing with human trafficking has been a part of IWU for quite a few years now. This is part of the reason for the formation of the Bastion Center here on campus. In fact, as Hannah has already intimated to you, Dulos every single year has sought to bring awareness to this societal ill with the showing of various films, and this student organization has regularly taken up offerings to help in a cause of rescue, spent time praying for that to take place. In fact, every year for the past eight years, we have had chapel services dealing with human trafficking and short-term mission trips to aid organizations dealing with human trafficking have taken place. As we were planning for this chapel service, I came along and as we were talking to the team that had gathered, we were talking about, do we have worship? And what kind of worship did we want? And then it dawned on me and I came along and I said, I'd like to suggest something that for this chapel service, let's not have any worship singing at all. 
And the reason being is that when I was in Cambodia, I remember going to a little child that was caught up in prostitution and inviting that little girl to come to church and saying, if you come to church, you need to know that there's going to be singing that takes place there, thinking that that would be a draw for that individual. But it was interesting is that that little girl looked at me and in the Khmer language came along and stated, it's not in my heart to sing. So many individuals that are caught in human trafficking, it's not in their heart to sing until they're rescued. And so the goal of this chapel service and for the basketball game that you've heard about at different times during this hour is to make, a, to make presentations reminding us of the emotional, the physical, and even the spiritual suffering that takes place due to human trafficking, and then seeking to do something practical to help hurting lives. Coach Brooke you know, Corbett, one of the assistant coaches for the ladies' basketball team, wrote, we want to be people of practical action in regards to this issue. And so because of that, one of the goals today is to raise, we're hoping, around $3,000, which can be used to rescue two young people who have been directly trapped in the sex industry. Also, as it's been intimated, there will be a destiny rescue table set up in a student center for those individuals who feel their hearts being stirred by this issue and would like to gain more information on how they can get involved in rescuing the hurting and those that are trapped. In fact, as we've already shared also, that shirts are going to be sold at that table throughout, you know, for the game tonight. And once again, being giving you more details, tonight there is going to be the blackout game between Indiana Wesleyan and Huntington. And one of the goals of the game is to have at least 450 people wearing black. Huntington will be joining our players as well, wearing black t-shirts during warm-ups. And the teams are going to take a 26-second time out of silence in respect of the issue when the first team reaches 26 points in the game. And as you already have been told, the number 26 symbolizes that every 26 seconds, someone is being forced into human trafficking. And then during halftime, WIWU-TV is going to be presenting us a special presentation. And so because of that, the ladies' basketball team, the athletic department, would like to invite you to come to the game tonight at 7 p.m. When you come, please wear black, or if you don't want to wear black, go buy a T-shirt as a way of showing you're supporting. And if I am right, they're going to also be taking up an offering for this. Dear ones, will you do me a favor? Will you truly get involved in this cause. Amen? I think the Lord wants us to be involved. We've asked if Coach Steve Brooks will come on up here, wrap this up for us, and close us out in prayer then. As we uh, conclude chapel, um, when Brooke and Tori came to me and said, Coach, um, this is something that the Lord's laid on our heart. And I'm sitting there going, boy, I'm not sure what a women's basketball team can do in this situation. And then when I heard Brooke's initial comment about prayer, it, it was amazing what's happened. And because Tori and Brooke and our team have spent time praying about this, today happened. Um, and I'm going to ask now that we spend some time as we conclude chapel um, praying for s some specific things. So we'll do it the same way that we did to start chapel. Get, get in small groups. Uh, we're asking that you would pray uh, for wisdom and favor 
with the governments of the countries that Destiny Rescue is working in. Uh, we would also ask that you would pray for volunteer workers to be called forth to help locally and internationally in this fight. Uh, and then also funding. Um, one of the things when I first heard this that got me going was, okay, we can do a game. But more than that, what we're hoping is that this will begin a Destiny Rescue Week in the Crossroads League where all the funds from every game, male or female, could be given over to try to uh, save some kids. When you think about $1,500 pulls somebody out of this, uh, what an awesome thing. So I'd ask right now that you would uh, get into small groups and pray for those uh, two things, wisdom and favor with the governments of the countries, and then for volunteer workers to be called forth to help locally and internationally. And then lastly, the funding. All right, let's go ahead and get in small groups and, and pray. Okay, if we could come back together. Father God, we, uh, we come before you now, Lord. And as you know, the heart of our team and of the leadership here at Indiana Wesleyan, Lord, we wanted this chapel to be more than just facts. Lord, help us to be a university that acts. That, uh, Lord, we pray right now that you would help us uh, understand what we as a university and individually, what we might be called to, Lord, in, the, in this situation. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to, to stand up and defend those who need to be defended, Lord. We thank you that you're standing up for us, that you've been there for us. And we do pray, Lord, that uh, you just give us the wisdom to know how you want us to move and the things that we might do as a university, whether it's dorm, floor, teams, whatever, that we might move, Lord, and do it in a way that uh, would bring honor to you at the same time, Lord, we could save some of these kids out of this terrible situation. Okay, as we leave, uh, I want to uh, challenge this student body to, uh, to take action uh, for this. And we have some practical ways today uh, that you can take action. First of all, uh, after you're dismissed, we have uh, offering buckets set up at each of the doors uh, when you leave to get us to our goal of rescuing uh, uh, two, uh, two females out of uh, uh, sex trafficking we also got a, a table that's set up in the student center today. If you're interested in uh, partnering with Destiny Rescue, you can go do that. And last of all, I want to challenge everyone to go to the game tonight. Uh, let's take a stand as a student body. I know uh, I think Dr. Lowe said 450 people tonight. That's our goal. My challenge for you guys tonight, let's fill that arena. Okay, let's fill the arena tonight, and let's show as a student body that we're going to take a stand against that. That would be, be an awesome environment uh, for our student body to take a stand uh, tonight. So you got, you've got ways to take action. I challenge you to do that. You're dismissed.